Hello, and welcome back to the Period to Pause podcast. On today's episode, we dig into some real juicy conversations around burnout and the cost of burnout, particularly for women. We also talk about some sensitive things such as suicidal ideation, and as some of what we're digging into is quite sensitive for anybody who is in emotional distress or a suicidal crisis, please dial 988 here in the United States to go to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, which is nationwide. I just wanted to give the audience fair warning that we will be talking about some potential triggering subject matter with my amazing guest today. And so on today's podcast, I have Hannah Austin, who is a highly sought after corporate leader and management professional. She specializes in the management of burnout for professionals. She is the CEO and founder of She Shatters. She draws on her experience consulting and coaching corporate leaders to provide employees at the mid to high point of their careers with the support they need to burn brightly without burning out. She also shares her story of burnout and how she knew it was time to leave corporate America. So let's go ahead and let me introduce you to the amazing Hannah Austin. So I know on today's podcast, we're going to talk about burnout. And it's something that people have been talking about more and more frequently, particularly with the pandemic, all of these things going on in our lives and in society. Can you share a little bit, Hannah, about who you are and how you arrive to really focus on burnout, particularly for women? Absolutely. Well, similar to you, I mean, I think the mimic and thoughts resonated in my head. I don't want this to happen to any other woman or any other professional. So my story was, you know, I started at the age of 20, 21, uh, managing uh, large health systems. And, you know, I was at 20 and 21 years old managing people that were significantly older than me, as you can imagine. And my first job was managing 100 direct reports, which was huge to have such a big job lots of responsibility. So I would say that my burnout really started about the age of 24 because I took on such a big job in such a premature time in my career. But what I learned during all of those roles was that I had to fake it till I made it, right? Even if I was stressed or something was happening right in front of me, I didn't want to feel weak or look weak or I wanted to look like I knew what I was doing. And so that's frankly when I really started to learn how to paddle frantically below the surface, but on top of the surface, look like everything's cool, calm, and collective. And the challenge with that was really around people thought I was super capable, which I was, right? I was figuring it out, but I was teaching them how to teach me and reinforce the behavior that it is okay to do that. And so fast forward, you know, 10, 15, 20 years into my career, at the age of 41, 42, I was still doing that because it had worked for me, because I had kept getting promoted, because I had kept getting reinforced that, yes, what you're doing, Hannah, is working. And I became known as the go-to person. So fast forward to the pandemic. I was, you know, working at Kaiser Permanente and building, you know, outside hospitals and works, I say. And that was my job for the first couple months of the pandemic. And 
working 50 to 60 hours a week and still playing the game of is everything okay yes the world's coming to an end i'm afraid i'm gonna die but yet i'm still being an empath and taking care of those around me fast forward a couple weeks later i crashed and burned in one of the hospitals that i was working with and managing staff in that was my cathartic defining moment when a doctor said to me Hannah, you are killing yourself. You cannot do this anymore. At the age of 41, you are suffering from high blood pressure, fatty liver disease, and severe migraines. And you just collapsed in one of the hospitals that you work in. So if this is not a defining moment for you, I don't know what is. Whoa. So I, I decided to, instead of take a leave of absence, I didn't trust myself to break those old patterns of 20 years. I decided to resign physically heal my body and mental state. And I took three months off. And then at that point, I decided, what am I going to do next? I can't go back to my old patterns. I did not trust myself to change that pattern so rapidly. And so I started talking with women and people in the healthcare industry. And they said, Hannah, you're so good. You're so self-directed. You should be your own boss. So I started She Shutters and we built that starting April, 2021. And it's what it is today. That's amazing. So, you know, when you're going through this span of about 20 years where you're literally, yeah, as this doctor says, killing yourself, were there things that you recognized like, oh, this isn't healthy or, oh, this isn't right, but you just kept doing that? Yeah. I mean, I'm writing a book right now and I say this in chapter eight, pardon my French, but uh, there was caution signs, slippery slope, deer ahead, don't hit the moose. Like every single stop sign in my life would show me this throughout the years, whether it was a car accident or my husband had a stroke at the age of 32, 33. And it was like an opportunity for me to pause and be like, okay, this isn't working for both of your lives. Right. And I kept going. I kept going into full pedal to the metal accelerator and basically not listening to my body, not listening to anyone around me and just saying, work is all I have. This is how I've defined myself. I'm going to keep moving. Ooh, that's a big one. I think that's a big one to recognize too, with how you define yourself or how women define themselves. You know, what was it about work being the very definition of you that, you know, I mean, I know in our society, we kind of say, well, what do you do? That's like the first question we ask people, not kind of who are you and tell me more yeah. about yourself. You know, how did you recognize that that was like the one thing that defined you? Well, I think for me, my husband and I made the decision early on to not have kids and it's a very lonely decision. It's an exciting decision because we travel and we have an awesome life, but it's a very lonely decision in that all of my girlfriends, all the women around me are having kids. Like it's very rare for people not to. And I felt really excluded early on. Of course, moms with kids want to hang out with moms who have kids because they have things to talk about. And so for me, my badge of honor was and my legacy was my job. And so it was very easy to, when I felt insecure or left out from you know, the moms in the group or my girlfriends who, frankly, you know, were turning towards other moms and the single people, like, we don't have anything to talk about anymore. I would say, yeah, I have to work or, you know, this is kind of who I am. And that really became, I think, a protection mechanism, if I'm really honest. And then also, you know, comfort, if that makes sense. Mm, it makes a ton of sense. You know, I've gone through my own thing where I've been excluded from certain friend groups because I'm not a mom. Right. And I can't be a mom biologically. So it's been yeah. very interesting because it's like, when did we kind of think that that's the only thing that defines women mm -hmm. as well? 
Yes. And I think for you, it sounds like the same. It's like, there's a little bit of a loneliness there. For me, you know, it was specifically a choice, but that choice came with consequences. And I didn't realize that. I mean, if I guess if I would have realized it, I don't know if it would change my mind, but it's certainly something to think about around if you aren't a mom. And I've even thought about this now in my forties, like if I'm not going to give a legacy to a young human being, what is my legacy going to be, right? I can still leave a legacy. And I think for me, that's what She Shatters has become is what is my legacy? And I think you and I talked earlier on in the conversation, like, you know, why did you start this company? Why did you follow this mission? And for me, it's that so no other woman will be in the situation that I was in, borderline suicidal and on the bathroom floor and couldn't get up, right? So, Mm. you know, for me, I think in women, sometimes we are wound can let the light in. And what I mean by that is sometimes when you have a deep wound inside yourself, the best way to heal that is to highlight your journey, share your voice and reach out to other women who have that wound and find them as well. You just didn't know it. Yeah, that's beautiful. The way that you phrase that the wound can let the light in. I love that. You know, with women working with women now who might be experiencing burnout, what's the most common reason you're seeing why women are burning out? I think it's societal expectations. It's the shoulds. I call it you're shooting yourself. Every single one of my clients, male and female, not to discriminate. I ask them, what brings you joy? What do you really want to do? I mean, I talk to so many CEOs and COOs and vice presidents. And and I'm like, the first thing I ask them is, do you want to do the job that you're doing? Right? Do you truly want to do the job that you're doing? Or was just kind of a ring on the ladder that society has always said, you need to be, you know, division vice president, and then you need to be vice president, and then you need to, nothing is good enough. Did you always move that finish line out? And for a majority of them, 80% of them say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so burned out because they have truly lost who they are as individuals and what they really want to do. A lot of people don't even know what they want to do, right? So a lot of our discovering and me coaching them and working with them is we actually explore. And it's super fun to think about like, What do you want to do next? And I think that change is normal. Change needs to be normalized. Everything is change. And so in my 20s, I had a job that I thought was my dream job. In my 30s, I had the same thing. In my 40s, I won't go back to that job. I cannot work a nine to five now because I know what it's like to work for myself. So I think evolution is beautiful, right? Mm. Stagnancy is death. Oh, yeah. It's so true. So with you going through you know, burnout, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned? And also, how do you help folks to heal from that? Yeah. So honestly, Amanda, this is why I decided to write a book because I did a lot of research. I love Google. I Googled like, what are the burnout statistics? What are the burnout symptoms when I was knee deep in it, right? I didn't even know if I had depression, anxiety, burnout. For a while, you know, I was diagnosed with high functioning anxiety, which looks and sounds really great because you're high functioning. But I feel like that's the worst of the worst because it kind of allows you to continue to fake who you are because you're high functioning, right? That's the challenge with that. I think for me, you know, the reality of the situation is the heart palpitations, the chest pain, the migraines, the high blood pressure. These are all things that show up in people's lives. And I think ultimately, you know, it comes down to figuring out what really caused you to have burnout in the first place. Was it that you were raised by a single mom and you were taught? to work two jobs and that 50, 60 hour a weeks were expected. Did you join a startup company that demanded you to be on, you know, seven days a week 
And so I think going through my conversations with my coaching clients, we tried to get down to the root cause of why burnout started in the first place. And a lot of it is people pleasing, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, you know, being that person that's like, oh, I want to get my master's and oh, wait, I might as well get my PhD because I just got my master's. You're always moving that finish line and you never satisfied or even acknowledge the hard work that it's taken for you to get where you are. You're always looking for what's next. And the biggest thing, Amanda, is all the external factors in the world. All of us, most of us rely on external validation than internal validation. And the book that I'm writing right now is all about, it's called Hello Head, Meet Heart, connecting your head and heart and having it be in alignment. And that is the only way to heal. You cannot self-care yourself out of burnout. You cannot think yourself out of burnout. You cannot love yourself out of burnout. You have to align your head and heart and dive deep and excavate those kind of old patterns of behavior and then begin to unravel them and redesign new behaviors. Mm. You know, I think about burnout too and how many people are suffering from right now, especially, you know, my day job, I work in organizations too. So I consult in organizations and just seeing what the human beings are going through right now. It's like nothing I've ever seen before in the history of me being alive and maybe in our history as well, just with, I think the confluence of change and the demands we're putting on people when people are going through burnout, you know, not only obviously it's, as you've been talking about affecting them and their systems, how does it also affect their community, uh, their spouses, their children, their pets, (laughs) everybody else who's involved. That's chapter nine of my book. I call it emotional support people for me. Because I was so good at faking it, nobody knew. And even my husband, you know, I'd have some down days or whatnot. And, but nobody knew that I was in the darkest moment of my life, that literally I was contemplating suicide. No one knew. And I think that's the scary thing is so many of us are lonely in this madness of burnout, but we don't know how to talk about it for fear of feeling weak. And that stigma still of what burnout is and depression, anxiety, it masks in a variety of different ways. But I think in my clients specifically, it affects every part of their life. It affects their job. It affects their relationships. It affects their relationship with kids. And one of the things that we do in my sessions with them is truly look at all kind of their family and community networks and figure out where are their safe zones and who are the emotional support people that they can begin to start having conversations with about how they're feeling. And I think it's okay to not label everything as burnout. It can be I'm afraid of losing my job or I'm afraid of going back into the office or I'm afraid of the fact that I can't set boundaries and I'm not able to eat a full meal without eating and typing or being on my phone. Like it's okay to start having these conversations, but the reality of the situation is Amanda, not everybody's a safe place to do that. So my goal with them is to figure out, okay, who is your kind of small network of safe people that you can begin to have the conversation with? And then what is your plan to have that conversation? We even do role-playing together about how to have that conversation because I think a lot of people say, oh, just go to your safe zones and have a conversation. But how do you do that? Mm. And in my book, chapter nine, I actually give a script. I know it sounds silly, but a lot of people actually need a roadmap how to heal and how to have those conversations. I don't think it sounds silly at all. One of the things we're working on right now is scripts as well for people to go in and have conversations with their doctors because you don't know how to have these conversations. Sometimes it's not like you wake up and somebody's handing you a manual and you're like, Oh, this is how I'm supposed to adult today. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wish it were that easy and we all had things. I mean, I think that's amazing that you're giving people that toolkit. Can you share with folks a little bit, you know, especially, 
especially since you came from the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Can you share with folks a little bit about advocacy, especially if they're going through something like, you know, they might be thinking, okay, I'm having suicidal ideations, or I'm feeling like I'm anxious, or I might be depressed. You know, what tips do you have for people particularly to advocate for themselves? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've worked, you know, in healthcare for 21 years is finding the right physician or naturopath, whatever you lean towards, whether it's Eastern or Western medicine, doing the research for finding the right fit is key. I don't like to blame medical systems because there are good doctors and bad doctors in every health system around the world. And frankly, I've studied it in Thailand and Vietnam, like everywhere. So I think the biggest piece for me is advocating for the right doctor and right fit. You are interviewing them because they are either going to save your life or not save your life, right? They are a partner Mm. in your life. And that's how I have to look at it. You know, whether it's looking on the website of your medical provider, it's asking for recommendations, there's always forums, look online, do a research like you would for a handyman, right? Or someone like do the research up front. Once you find that physician and you're able to get paneled with them, I would ask for a phone conversation, right? A lot of doctors now have only 20 minutes, right? But we know that it's like, boom, boom, boom. So having a conversation with them up front, hey, this is my expectation. How do you work? You know, how do you want to be communicated with? Here's mine. I mean, it's almost like you're literally dating them, right? Seeing if they're the right fit. After that initial conversation, if you don't feel in your gut that that's the person for you, find somebody else. So for me, it's upfront doctor, Who's the doctor's community? Do they have a nurse practitioner? Do they have a medical assistant? Like, who is their actual network? Who are you going to talk to when that doctor is not available? And what does that relationship look like? And you're going to have to do the work up front to say, this is going to be my medical team. And I want to make sure that I'm treating them nicely so that they are going to be able to treat me nicely as well. I think it's mutual respect. I have been in a situation where a lot of patients just expect a lot, but they don't upfront say what they need. And I think it's advocating for how you want to be communicated with, what works for you and what you need, because you are ultimately the customer. So that's where I would start. And then the moment that you feel like you're not getting the service you need or your needs aren't being met, you know, whether it's membership services or someone in customer service, run it up the line quickly and advocate for that particular situation that you're having, right? And if you don't get the service that you need, immediately ask to speak to the manager. I was one of the managers in internal medicine for a couple of years. And if there was a complaint, I, as my job, was expected to follow up with them via phone, email, text, however they wanted to be followed up with. And I had a conversation with them. What can we do to make your situation better? How can I help you? And if you don't have a health system like that, you need to call your insurance carrier and say, who else do we have? Because this isn't working for me. Mm, Yeah, that's some great advice. If we go back to thinking about burnout and what people are facing today with the external pressures, what do you want women in particular to hear most right now? Mm, You are not alone. You are not alone. There are so many of us who have suffered, are suffering, you know, are having those dark moments and you just never know who that is around you. It could be your COO. It could be your best friend. It could be your you know, cousin, it could be your daughter, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really just providing a safe space to have that conversation and say, you know, it's really okay not to be okay. I want to hear everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to hear if you're hurting. And if you don't want to share it with me, let me help you find someone who you feel comfortable with. I think loneliness, isolation, 
fear and then us getting stuck in our heads and just pardon my French, like literally mind fucking ourselves to the point that it gets darker. So don't let it get dark, right? Find those bright lights in your life. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's so helpful. I think for people to know and to hear, can you share with people if they do want to find you, for example, and do some coaching and work around you know, rediscovering who they are, how would they go about finding you? And what would be the steps to take to work with you? Sure. I mean, I'm all over the internet. I have an international podcast as well, but it's www.sheshedders.com. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. She burns with Hannah Austin. And then if you just type in hello, head, meet heart, that's my book that's coming out in Amazon. I'm also on Instagram at she shatters LLC. Amazing. What else, you know, that we haven't discussed yet specifically around burnout and conversations that folks need to have, would you like to share with people? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest piece is, you know, burnout isn't just a personal situation. It's personal community. It's also organizational. As you know, we just talked about, you know, I go into organizations and talk big organizations about what to look for with burnout, how to have conversations with your employees. I also do coaching in organizations where I go in and they plant me in this organization and I identify the root causes and talk to, frankly, managers and leaders and employees, how to get along, how to talk to each other and how to improve the mental health capabilities within the organization. So it's not just around personal burnout, it's also organizational. And all of us need to really lean into the problem. It's not getting any better unless we talk about it. And organizations invest financially, mentally, and physically in creating a safe space and burnout prevention activities. Mm. That's great. I mean, that work is so needed right now. So needed. And I can just imagine what's going to happen here in the next year or so if there is a recession that comes, you know, all this talk of an impending recession and what that's going to mean for people and how they're going to navigate some additional stressors. Yeah. And I think what I'm seeing in a lot of organizations is we're having problems with employee retention and engagement and nobody wants to return to work. I just saw the ad on Apple today, the the article on Apple, like all of this employees in Apple are now coming together and saying, we're not going to yeah. go back to work in person. Right. And so I think employees are finally speaking up and using their voice and it would behoove organizations across the world. If they start listening and managing and leading from under underneath and below rather than top down, we've known this for years. We've yeah. known this for decades, but now is the time where employees are saying, listen to us, hear us. And we're just trying to be part of an organization that cares about us as a holistic person. Yeah, it's so true. So true. It still boggles my mind when employers don't understand the pressures that people that actually do the work are facing. And, you know, now coupled with the work from home situation, which most employees want to stay working from home, but who wants to sit in their car for hours and hours on end to commute? You know, those days are gone. So it's really interesting to see how some organizations are handling that right now. Is there anything else you want people to know with regards to your story or with being able to really manage the pressures that people are facing? I mean, I think just give yourself some time to pause. I call it stop, pause, and reassess. Just stop, pause, really think, is this the journey that I want to take? Is this the marriage that I want to be in? Is this the perspective I want to give my kids? Is this the legacy I want to leave? Is this the company that I want to work with? Question, ask. 
and you're not asking anyone else around you. You are turning towards yourself and you are asking yourself, Amanda, do I want to do this work? Amanda, you know, and you're really talking to yourself. Shit hits the fan. And frankly, it's hit the fan for the last three years. What we've learned is the only thing that is constant is ourselves. We can rely on ourselves. We can handle ourselves. And you have to take control back of your life. Don't let those external forces put you in a tailspin. You are home. So keep returning home to yourself. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. So we've told folks where they can find you. Definitely go check out Hannah's podcast and your book, which is soon to be released. Is there anything else you want to share before I ask? I ask guests one final question. Is there anything else you'd like to share? No, I just think, you know, at this point, we're in such a changing environment and changing time in our lives. Just, you know, reach for that extraordinary life. Don't live that ordinary life. Reach for that extraordinary life, whatever that's for you. And know that She Shatters is here to support you along the way. Mm, thank you for that. So one final question I ask people on the podcast is what gives you hope right now? Mm, I think women like you, women who are starting businesses, who are saying, I don't want any other woman to feel the same way I did and being creative and leaning into themselves and sharing their stories and sharing their truths. Keep going. It's working and continue to find that light inside you and ignite it and illuminate it for others. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I really, really appreciate you being here and also being vulnerable enough to share your story. Yeah. You know, part of this I know is that when women can hear other women's stories in particular, that they can you know, find or hear themselves in somebody else. And so that's part of why we're here. So thank you to all the listeners as well for tuning in today and listening to Hannah and her stories and her tips. This has been wonderful and continue to go out and educate, rise, vocalize, and mobilize. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to a period to pause podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, you can go ahead and skip that step. And remember to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And go check us out on Instagram and Clubhouse. Oh, and don't forget to tell another woman in your life that you support her. And it only takes one tiny action to lead to big change. See you next time. Now for a quick disclaimer. All of the information and views you hear on a period to pause podcast are purely the opinions of the host and her guest. They are not medical advice or treatment recommendations. The content of this podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Always seek the guidance of your physician or qualified healthcare professional for any recommendations specific to you or for any questions you may have specific to your health, mental health, your sleep patterns, or changes to diet and exercise or any medical conditions.